Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This has been a bad week for Doug Ford uh, for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, most of it's self-inflicted, frankly. Uh, the Greenbelt legislation, the pushback on that, the uh, more houses uh, legislation, which basically takes an awful lot of the tools that municipalities use to plan communities. Uh, the, we heard Marianne Mead Ward, the Burlington mayor, speaking out about this, and, and other mayors have, have made similar comments. Yesterday, the Ontario uh, uh, Court of Appeal has also uh, dealt a blow to the Ford government. Uh, actually, it's a victory for an awful lot of other people in the province, though, when they struck down Bill 124. Now, that was the legislation, of course, that restricted salaries to uh, many, many uh, employees here in the province of Ontario. Uh, 780,000 workers in the public sector were affected by the legislation. And uh, the ruling was, uh, was well, pretty direct uh, when uh, the justice finally came down with the decision basically saying, uh, that uh, all these numbers, uh, essentially, it's against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. There's a long, long explanation here uh, from the, the the courts as to exactly what was wrong with this. Uh, joining us to talk about this and the implications, uh, please do welcome back to the program, Dr. Doris Grinspun, who is the CEO of the Registered Nurse Association of Ontario. Uh, Doris, first and foremost, I guess, uh, I, congratulations in order. This is a long, hard fight. It's not over yet, but uh, this is a big victory for an awful lot of people in the in the public sector. This is a very big victory, Bill, and thanks for having us back. We have talked about this issue so many times and how damning is this bill on nurses' capacity to stay put at work versus going to other jurisdictions. So this is a big victory for democracy. This is a victory for workers. And uh, all we are asking the Premier now is let let negotiations with the unions happen as they ought to be, respected as they ought to be, and um, kudos to all the unions that push this issue forward uh, as a collective uh, on behalf of the of the workers of this province uh, in in the public sector. This is a big a big victory for public sector services too, Bill. A number of services, as we mentioned, the number here is, is very large. Yeah, I'm but glad it's you not had... the private sector, right? I mean, you no. can have bill, as you and I discussed in this show before, uh, a private for-profit nursing home that doesn't need to obey by this, uh, versus a, a, a you know uh, a not-for-profit home. You can have um, nurses working for agencies. The agencies don't need to obey by this. Uh, the private agencies, and then those nurses that are giving 24 by 7 um, to em- as employees of a hospital or a primary care or a long-term care, uh, they are penalized. It makes no sense whatsoever. It never made sense. And the time is for the premier, uh, especially every single news that has come their way, including the AG report, stating today that nurses were paid five times less than doctors to give the same vaccination bill. I mean, it's one thing after another where nurses have been uh, undermined, undervalued, underpaid, and underrespected. Time to move on to a new page, Premier. Time to move to a page of amicable uh, relationships. Um, you and I respect one another. Time to move on. Uh, to really put nursing back where it belongs, which is on the respect platform with deeds, with compensation, with benefits, 
and with all that they deserve after giving it all and continuing to give it all 24 by 7 to Ontarians. It's interesting, too, because in, in, in the judgment here, the, the, the court actually focuses on, on your association and, and nurses uh, in the province here that are impacted by this, have been negatively impacted by this. Uh, and it says in part here, uh, this legislation uh, prevented the, from trading off salary demands against uh, a non-monetary benefits, uh, prevents the collective bargaining process from addressing staff shortages, uh, interuses, uh, interferes with the, uh, the independence of interest arbitration, uh, and, and a long, long list of things here. So there's a lot of analysis went into this decision. And, and basically, uh, there, there's no positive for the government here. I mean, they were wrong, wrong, wrong right through, according to what the court here is saying. Uh, and so this, this basically throws this out. What are the implications then from this, Doris? I mean, uh, you know, there's some talk here about, uh, okay, is there going to be compensation? Uh, is back pay due here? What are the next steps here? So the, the first thing is congratulations to ONA, the union that represented uh, these issues in the courts. Uh, congratulations to RNO that pushed that in the public sphere and with the media, and to you guys in the media that gave us voice. Congratulations to the public that has always been on site in saying no to Bill 124. The action alert that RNO sent on Bill 124 received over 30,000 signatures or more even. I haven't looked recently. Uh, the, the implications are this. Number one, a plea to the Premier to please not appeal this court decision. Because yesterday, government, the Premier didn't speak about this, but government was hinting that they may appeal this. Please, Premier, take over the agenda and let's stop the fights. Let's build Ontario where it needs to be as a winning province. Uh, so the implications, number one, is that to have the Premier speak publicly and say, we are not going to appeal this. Let's move to letting the unions bargain in, in good faith, with goodwill, and ask for the remedies that the court, um, the court, as you know, said they need to look at all of that, of what are the remedies. I'm sure unions will be looking as a collective, what are the remedies, but... The, the reality is this, let's have the Premier come out and say that he will not appeal this and let's move to a different book altogether for the sake of Ontarians. Well, and, and that's one of the things that we need to discuss here, about just where the government is going to go. And I just want to remind our listeners, I know you're certainly aware of this, uh, this is not the first time a provincial government has tried to, to stick their nose into the collective bargaining process. Uh, the Liberals did this back, I guess it was in around 2012, and the court slammed them for that and, and threw it out and said, you can't do that. Uh, so there was a precedent there that said, look, it, the, the, this is part of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You can't fool around with this. And and I, I don't know if they, the, the government lawyers didn't know that or they didn't read it. I don't know what's going on here or just ignored it, whatever the case might be. But that particular decision against the Liberals, Doris, as you know, uh, ended up costing uh, millions of dollars in comp, $200 million, I believe it was, was the price tag for making a bad mistake like that. Uh, given the number of people that are involved in the in the public sector here, the, uh, the government's going to have to pay a bill here of some description for that, but that's on them. I mean, this was all on them. This was their legislation. A, you, you guys are not well, at fault here. It's the government who tried to, to impose this. What they would have paid if they would have allowed what they should have allowed the bargaining to happen. Period. Period. Uh, these things need to stop. We live in, the, in a democracy, or we call ourselves a democracy. Well, let's behave and act as such. 
Well, the government's going to have to make a decision as to whether or not they're going to appeal. And 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 again, you know, we have to remind our listeners that uh, you know when the government appeals, oftentimes it doesn't work out. Uh, they tried to go against uh, the carbon tax, federal carbon tax, of course, spent millions of dollars, uh, lost in court, appealed it, and lost again. And we pay that. I mean, that cut. That's that's taxpayers' money uh, that it they're paying even for. Even more the, serious to, to def- than that bill, because if the government appeals this you can expect even greater instability in public services and in particular in a very fragile already health system. So this will mean disruptions even more than now for the healthcare system for the public. Uh, I believe that this is not something that will be supported by any large organization in healthcare, not the hospital association, not the long-term care associations, not the home care associations, certainly not the professions. We have doctors standing with us. This needs to stop, and the premier is the one, the only one that can put a stop to whoever is pushing him on a different direction. It needs to stop. It needs to stop now. We have a winter coming up that will be, as you know already, is being very challenging because of shortages of staff. ICUs, emergency departments closing, uh, more patients and more kids because, as you know, the flu on top of everything else. This is time for peace, not time for ongoing disruptions to the system that aggravate the situation that already is dire. Is this going to, I know it's it's early, it's just a, yeah, not even 24 hours ago, I guess, that this was announced. Uh, and I don't know how much time you've had to talk to your membership about this, but a lot of people, as you've talked about in the past when you've been here, Doris, have talked. A lot of people have left that business. They've left the industry. Nurses have just walked away. Said we can't do this anymore. Uh, and that's a staffing level, first of all. But secondly, uh, because of the compensation and, and and the problems that was causing, uh, are your members going to rethink that and maybe some of them come back because that would alleviate an awful lot of the concern and staffing I problems in hospitals. That if the premier puts peace into this page and we move to a good book that you will have increased retention, no doubt about that. We are bringing more nurses into the system because the appetite for nursing has never vanished. In fact, it has only increased. The problem is retention. And retention, you, you said it so well, Bill. It has to do with competitive compensation and at this point we are not competitive. In fact, the new graduates get paid way, way more in other jurisdictions within Canada and outside of Canada. And, and even at the top of the scale, we're not competitive anymore as we used to be. And, and second, uh, workloads. But workloads can only improve with two conditions, if you bring more nurses and if you retain them. And to retain them is a... Is a, is a it's a hula hoop that continues to retain them what you need and not the hula hoop of my carries that said go if you want to go. It's, a, it's one that you need to, you know, retain, 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 which again is compensation and, and decreasing the workloads by having more nurses. So it's all tied together. We cannot just continue to bring people so they go somewhere else after. Well, and I'm glad you I'm brought up that peace. point. It's it's been it's over 30 years, really, hasn't it, Doris? That this has happened. I mean, uh, and and that caused a huge influx of nurses to go south of the border. And and they, we actually, you were there at the time, of course, uh, as I was covering the, those stories on this program. 
Uh, and we actually had American hospitals and jurisdictions coming up to Canada to recruit nurses to go down there. Uh, they got bonuses, they got extras, they got a lot more money than they were getting here in Ontario. Uh, we don't want to repeat of that, do we? Well, and now they have they also have a shortage because of the pandemic. And because, believe this, they want to move to baccalaureate nurses in all their tertiary quaternary hospitals. All their teaching hospitals are asking nurses to get baccalaureate. Well, here they're ready. Baccalaureate entry to practice is mandatory for all RNs since 2005. So all of the nurses that are RNs have a baccalaureate. They're ready to go then. And our new graduates that get, get paid more in other jurisdictions in Canada or in the U.S. So we cannot afford that. We need to build careers for nurses in Ontario. And the way to build careers for nurses in Ontario, the premier actually yesterday, in our view, was handed a saving face uh, in a silver plate. All he needs to do is come out and say, we will respect and uphold the law. We will respect and uphold the decision of the court. That's all he needs to do and then get moving with allowing the unions to do the work that the unions do with employers. Doris, thank you. I know it's a busy day for you. Thank you for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it today. Thank you very much. And kudos to all the unions and Anona and all of the other unions that have pushed this forward and to the lawyers that helped succeed. Uh, Dr. Doris Grinspan, CEO for the uh, Registered Nurse Association of Ontario. Thank you again. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.